Good morning. Well, it's not Dan speaking to you today, it's me. My name is Jake. I am the next gen director here. Um, if you guys don't know me or you haven't heard me speak before, or specifically last time, you may not understand my joke. But um, unless you're scheduled to be up here, please don't come up here today. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, you'll just have to ask somebody else, I guess. Um, I just want to start with some prayer. Let's um, turn our affection and our anticipation towards Jesus real quick. Yeah, Jesus, we are here for you. And we want to move at the pace that you're moving. Yeah, your presence is the most important thing to us this morning. And Lord, if we don't have you, we don't have anything this morning. Yeah, you're essential. It's about you. It's for you. And so I just invite your presence to come. Teach us to host you. Teach us to minister to you uh, with our full heart, our full affection. Yeah, and speak uniquely, Father. Like, I just ask that you would speak to each heart uniquely this morning. And I choose you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, one thing I want to start with before we get going is I, in praying this week, I keep feeling like um, the Lord is going to speak to a few of you very specifically this morning and uniquely. Um, I feel like he has something for you in terms of drawing you to a new place in himself. And in what I keep getting as, I, as I'm praying about that is like, as you're hearing the message this morning, as you're, as you're listening and engaging, um, if you feel like warmth, like warm oil, if you feel the burning in your bones, if you feel like there's a freshness inside of you that isn't normal, then I think, I really think you need to come and get prayer after we're done, okay? And I'm not saying that that's everybody, I haven't felt like that will be everybody, but I feel like there's a few handful of people um, that I would encourage you, do not leave if the Lord is speaking to your heart this morning. Does that make sense? Cool. Awesome. Um, this morning I'm going to continue on or finish up with this series on overflow, and our title is Pour Yourself Out. Pour Yourself Out. Um, and just so you guys get a grid of kind of where we're going, um, you know you've listened to me a few times, I build. So I will be building um, as we go here, so stay with me. Um, keep the images, if I'm talking about imagery as we go, please keep those images in your mind because we're building as we go. Um, so I'm gonna tell a little bit of a story. Um, I'm gonna define some stuff, ask you some questions, and then we're gonna go to God's word to see just this beautiful image that he paints for us. Of, of what overflow looks like for us today in the church. Sound good? Awesome. So, um, a few months ago, and this could be probably six months ago now, I'm not exactly sure, um, but we were having a united night, and we meet in this space, um, we move all the chairs, and our youth come, and we play games, and, and uh, try to learn about Jesus. And on this one particular night, one of our kids was running, 
and rolled their ankle, okay? And very tender, they were trying to put weight on it and they couldn't, so uh, we'd been going through a series called Do What Jesus Did. And I was like, this is perfect. Like, we've been looking at Jesus healing people, uh, delivering people, so go over to them. And I'm like, hey, can I pray for your ankle? And they're like, absolutely. And I was like, this is awesome. Home run moment for the Lord here, okay? So we're in the back over there, sit down. I get down, grab the ankle. Um, and I've seen the Lord do some cool things, okay? So I'm not just like out of nowhere here. Like I have full expectation for healing. Um, put my hand on the ankle, pray my best prayer, okay? And then, of course, I operate in faith afterwards, right? So I'm like, stand up. How's it feel? And they're like, oh, it still hurts. I'm like, oh, yikes. Um, so... Jesus prayed for the blind man twice, so I at least get two attempts. That's how I feel, okay? Um, so I'm like, can I pray one more time? And they're like, absolutely. So very gracious, sit down. I get my next best holy prayer, and I put it all into it. I really go for it. And not even, like, slightly better. Um, and I was, I was gracious, and I just apologized for, like, I, I can't do anything, you know? So... Um, I left that, and for a few weeks was pretty frustrated um, in my time with the Lord. And in that place of frustration, I kind of went back to a promise that Haley and I got when we were in Boise. Um, and the promise, it was a season where it's one of the first few times that I heard the Lord speak, and I was praying specifically during this time period about, like, what is, what is the call on my life? That's what I kept asking the Lord. And one day it was just, boom, it was so loud, so beautiful, so obvious. And he's like, um, I want to mark your ministry with my manifest love. And I was like, okie dokie, let's do this. And so in my mind, <laughs> I thought like, okay, I'm going to walk around and have like lightning bolts of healing coming out <laughs> and uh, laser beams. And when I prayed for the young man back there and nothing happened, it disturbed me because... Where was the manifest love? So, I'm with the Lord, and I'm frustrated, and I'm praying, and I was like, not only did I pray, I prayed twice, but I prayed during the series of do what Jesus did, where we're saying pray for people, because healing is for us, like Jesus heals. Um, so, I'm laying there in the office praying, praying, asking the Lord, just back to him the promise the promise the promise like what about this promise like this is the promise um and his voice came again and it was sweet and it was tender and he's like jake in your immaturity you misunderstood the promise and i was like oh dang it <laughs> um he told me he's like i didn't call you to minister this way I called you to myself. I called you to minister to me. And so he started to speak to me and like, I called you, Jake, to minister to me. And in that place, I want to manifest my love to you in such a way that it marks you. Like having been in my presence, that you're marked. And um, man, my mind just, it's just like that renewing of your mind, renewing of your heart. It's like you can just see so much more clearly in those moments um so ministry what do i mean by minister 
This is important because we're going to build on this idea. Um, when I was younger, and I felt like the Lord gave me this promise, gave us this promise, I thought that ministry for me was a job, um, a position that I held. This right here. <laughs> this is what I thought it was. Um, but I'm going to challenge that today as we go. And the viewpoint that I'm looking at is I'm looking at Adam and Eve in the garden. I'm looking at the priests in the temple um, whose life was worship, whose work was worship and their worship was work. It was all the same thing. And when we look at like priests, their job, their ministry was to attend to the heart of the Lord and like his desire is to have relationship with us. And so their ministry was unto him, like this place um, where they offer worship, praise, spiritual sacrifice, prayer, intercession, like the place that they ministered is where God's presence and earth meet. It's the same thing in the Garden of Eden. God's presence, earth meet, and we minister from that place. It's a place of relationship to him. Does that make sense? So, getting back to our title, Pour Yourself Out. As I was going through this and prepping for this sermon, um, I felt like the Lord gave me this little concept that it's like, I want you to build around this as you go. And so that concept is, let me read it. We will seek to be filled or fulfilled by the people, the activities, and the things that we pour ourselves into. So what I mean by that is we're going to seek to be filled where we empty ourselves. We're going to seek filling, fulfillment, satisfaction in the places that we pour our hearts out. And um, I have two examples of this, um, very recent ones, because I am a human. And um, I was literally just talking to someone before we started. And it's like, uh, lucky for me, I've been doing this sermon for about a week and a half. And so this has been helping me not pour myself out in the wrong places in prepping for the sermon. Yay me, right? Um, so, two examples. Um, the end of January, early part of February, I was coaching still, and I got to a pretty low place. Um, I was empty. I was empty, empty, empty. If any of you talked to me in like close personal conversations at that time, you would have seen a very desperate Jake. Um, and one thing that was frustrating to me is I started to become very compulsive about winning and losing. And that was something that I felt like I had dealt with a long time ago and the Lord had taken out of my heart. Um, but this year, man, I was struggling with it. Um, I wanted wins. I wanted perfection. I wanted growth. Um, and I was like, man, Jake, you need to get a hold of yourself. What was happening is I was pouring myself out into a sport to the point that I was becoming empty and I needed that sport to satisfy me. I needed my value, I needed my worth to come back because I was emptying myself in that place. Okay, another example. This week, this last week, um, the week before we had a kind of a, a baptism service for a United, it takes a lot of prep. Um, I spent, it just felt emotionally like heavy, I felt like the Lord was on some things, doing some things. So I come off of a busy, heavy week, and it's Monday, this last Monday. 
and I have to do some admin stuff, and I'm kind of getting tired, and I know I need to get my thoughts on paper for this. So I start writing and thinking. I'm about two hours in, and I catch myself. I'm on YouTube looking up sermons. And I literally stood up from my desk. <laughs> I was like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> um, and the Lord began to speak to my heart again. And he's like, you are empty right now. You have emptied yourself in sermon prep. And now you are looking for a sermon to bring you inspiration to fill you up so that you can continue to write your sermon. Do you guys understand? And I was like, oh, no. So I just got on my face. There's no point in continuing to write in that place. I got on my face. And this week um, has been a really interesting kind of roller coaster of like, I start to go down. I start to get empty and dry and thirsty. And the Lord's like, you are empty. And it's like, ah, I am. So I have two options. I'm going to go to the spot that I'm emptying myself into, or I'm going to go to him to be filled. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so I have a question for you, and I want you to think about it. I'm not, I'm not here to provide the answers. I don't know your life. So please actually think about it. And the question is, where do you empty yourself? Where are you pouring out your heart? Is it potentially in your career or in your job? Is it to gain material possessions? Or in your education? Is it a sport, like I was? What about a bad relationship or a good relationship? Here's a, here's a good one. Make sure you're sitting down for this one. How about ministry? How about your role in the church where you volunteer? Are you pouring yourself into that role um, emptying yourself there to, to receive the affection and love of other people that you're serving with? How about the Bible? This is an interesting one. The Lord's been teaching me. Are we learning and memorizing and going through this hermeneutics and, and cross-referencing and doing all of this stuff pouring ourselves out right here so that other people will find value in us. I think sometimes we can know this so well, we can know the Bible so well that we miss the living word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can, we can pursue this so well and empty ourselves because we need to be filled by what others think about us and we will go through this with a fine-tooth comb and miss the living Christ who died for us, who poured out his heart for us, who's seated right now in the heavenly realms. He has a body. He has a body. He's up there, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Do you guys understand? Okay. <clears throat> so, please start thinking about where are you pouring yourself out. One example I want to give is I'm still kind of laying some stuff out here 
is the example of the sinful woman. So there's several examples of this in the Gospels. Um, I'm just going to highlight it. But there's this woman who comes to Jesus. It labels her as a sinful woman. And she has this jar, this alabaster jar of ointment, perfume. um, And she breaks it and pours it out on his head. I think two of the times it says that she pours it on his head. One of the other times she weeps at his feet and wipes her tears on his feet with her hair. Um, But man, what level of affection. When we pour ourselves... Okay, the title is Pour Yourself Out. Sometimes I think in, in the Christian way that we speak, we think that I need to go over here and pour myself out, and when I'm empty, I'm going to come back to Jesus to be filled. Kind of like he's a vending machine. And I feel like the challenge that I have for you this morning is the challenge of, of what this sinful woman did, which is take something that costs you. It's costly to take it before him and to pour it out on him. So when I say pour yourself out, I'm not talking about like, go find a place to volunteer. It's not what I'm talking about. That'll, that's the overflow. When you pour yourself out, take what costs you and go to Jesus and pour it out on him. This woman did something that offended Jesus' followers. It was so beautiful and so lovely and so honoring to him that it offended his disciples. Because it cost a lot. There were two people that left that dinner that smelt the same way. Jesus and the sinful woman. Two people left smelling the same way. Jesus and the sinful woman. (laughs) Look, I feel like the Lord is calling us into this place of pouring our hearts out on Jesus in a way that the overflow actually has power and it actually has meaning because we've taken something that costs us. We haven't gone to him like a vending machine to just be filled so we can go again. We start there as our primary place of ministry, which is to pour out to him in such a way that when we leave, we reek of Jesus. Does that make sense? You tracking with me? Okay. I think that um, we were designed to carry the overflow of the Holy Spirit. Um, a verse that I have that I want us to think on for a second and then we'll refer back to later is in John 7, 37 and 38. And it says this, this is Jesus speaking. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That part, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We're gonna come back to that. But I think that we're created, literally created to carry his kingdom in such a way that overflow, this idea that we've been sitting on for a few weeks, that overflow is just a natural part of our ministry to him, okay? So, if you want to be filled to overflowing, pour yourself out on Jesus. That's the point. So what I'm gonna do here 
is I'm going to paint an image that the Bible gives us of what this looks like for the church. And when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about like the organization that we have here. I'm not talking about the building. Um, if I say church in the next few minutes, I'm talking about us, people, the body, uh, the bride. Um, so I think that this idea, and you might say like, okay, Jake, up to this point, you've shared a lot of nice things and it's great that you feel like you hear the Lord. Um, but there's imagery here that is biblical that paints this picture um, that we're called first to him. Um, and then it overflows in such a way that everything comes to life from that overflow. So I'm going to read two passages of scripture. I'm going to go nice and slow through them. I might make some comments, so just be patient and go with me. Um, but the first one is in 1 Peter 2, and it's verses 4 through 10. And again, try not to figure out everything. Let the image be painted in your mind, okay? Understand the imagery that's happening here. It says, as you come to him, the living stone, that is referring to Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, it's talking about the church, like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. The spiritual house is referring to temple imagery, okay? This, us. To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But here it is. Here's our role. Here's our purpose. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Hmm. So what happens here is it calls us the body, this spiritual house. It's temple imagery. It goes back to the garden. Um, there's this image of God's dwelling place. That's what it says that we're being built up into through Jesus to offer spiritual sacrifices unto God. The priests in the Old Testament ministered to the Lord. It was their job. They had like no inheritance other than that which was given to God. And I think in um, Deuteronomy 18, it says that like um, God was their inheritance. Like they weren't even given property in the land, uh, the Levites. They weren't given um, what other tribes were given. It says like that their inheritance was God himself. It's beautiful, huh? It's beautiful. Okay, so we are this church. We are this temple. We are being built into a place where the presence of God dwells where we minister to the Lord, which is attending to his desire, the desire of his heart is to have a people that love him and that walk with him and are obedient to him. Okay, next section here. I want to uh, read from Ezekiel 47, and this is where I'm going to start winding down. 
Um, this is the image that I want us to get and really understand this morning. The idea of pouring ourselves out to Jesus so that he will fill us to overflowing. Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12 says this. Again, activate your imaginations and get the imagery here. When he brought me back to the door of the temple, the temple, us, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. Water is imagery for the Holy Spirit. For the front of the temple faced east, the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. Has anybody stood in ankle-deep water? You have control there? Is it hard to stand in ankle-deep water? Pretty easy, right? We'd all agree. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The water came up to my knees. And again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water. The water came up to my waist. Anybody stand in waist-deep water? You have more or less control than when you were ankle-deep? Less, yeah. And again, he measured 1,000. And it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. Imagery of the Holy Spirit here. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned, there along the bank of the river were many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. The sea that it's referring to there is the Dead Sea. Why is the Dead Sea called the Dead Sea? Because it's dead. Nothing lives there. Okay? So this water is flowing into this body of water that is dead. Nothing lives there. It's too salty. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. The Dead Sea waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed. And everything will live wherever the river goes. And everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to Eneglaim. Sorry, that was a hard one for me. These are two towns that are on the bank of the Dead Sea. It says that fishermen will congregate there. Fishermen don't congregate there because there's no fish. It's dead. They will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kind as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river, on this side and on that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be food, and their leaves will be for medicine or for healing. 
the water, the Holy Spirit, flows from the sanctuary. The sanctuary is the holy place. The sanctuary is where God's presence dwells. The sanctuary is where the priests come to perform their priestly function of ministering to the Lord. We were created for this. We weren't created to go empty ourselves in random swamps and pools and broken cisterns until we were at our very lowest and then come stumbling back and hoping Jesus will do something for us. We were created to enter into the holy place, okay? When Jesus died, tail was born. We were created to enter into that place and worship him and minister to him and praise him and offer him spiritual sacrifice. So, back to John 37. If we are the body, if we are the temple, where is the sanctuary? Here. Out of our hearts will flow rivers of living water. Wherever the river flows, everything lives. This doesn't happen by chance. I, I, I've, I've tried too much to make it happen by chance. It doesn't happen by chance. It takes turning our hearts and our affection towards the one who is worthy of our praise. Don't just come to him with nothing. I'm not saying that you can work for your salvation. I'm not saying you can work for your affection. But the sinful woman took something that was valuable. It cost her. It cost her so much that it offended the followers of Jesus. Take something that's costly with you. Enter into the sanctuary. Minister to the Lord, which is your priestly function. Pour yourself out. Let him fill you up. The overflow of our hearts will literally bring life. I want to worship with people that reek of Jesus. I want to worship with people that reek of his presence. Even if it's his feet because you've been crying on him and mopping up your tears with your hair. If you stink like Jesus' feet, I want to worship with you. It's going to cost us something. Will you guys come up? So we're going to have some prayer team members up here. Um, if you feel that warm oil on your heart or you did at any point, again, my, my encouragement to you is do not leave until you've taken an active step of faith to respond to the Holy Spirit on your heart. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to turn it over to our brother and sister here. Yeah, so Father, again, we, um, we turn our affection to you. We're in no rush right now. We want to respond the way that you've called us to respond. Lord, I ask that you would teach us to minister to you. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have everything figured out, Lord. I ask that you would draw me into the secret place. 
that you would minister to me in the secret place, that you would tell me secrets in the secret place, things that you and I know, things that you and I talk about that no one, no one else gets because it is a place of intimacy and a place where I pour every ounce of my being out to you. So Father, this morning I ask that you would mark us with your manifest love, that the overflow of the Holy Spirit would literally bring healing because wherever the river flows, everything comes to life. We love you so much, King Jesus. We love you so much. Would you stand to your feet? As we